0: to he who has more will be given to he who has not even what they do have shall be taken away Matthew 25:29 Do you ever feel like your life is a self-fulfilling prophecy of failure and that when you do try to make things better part of you undermines your trying to keep you where you are Why do we persist in pursuing futile paths of action For one, the tendency may be merely the shadow side of our innate tenacity. After all, the human capacity for perseverance in the face of failure has a large upside. Persistence through repeated failure often pays off down the road. Today I'm going to be reading from an article by Psychology Today about self-sabotage. We continue to buy overpriced steel popcorn at the movies because that's what we've always done. What we've always done becomes what we do, and what we do over time becomes who we are. Thus, we may experience a change of habit as identity change, which is a far heavier lift. Often, battered spouses remain in the destructive relationship in part because they believe that attempting to leave is more dangerous than staying. The calculus of fear often holds that the right thing is to avoid the thing that will hurt the most. At times, the price of accomplishing that is choosing something that hurts less. The great James Baldwin alluded to this dynamic when he wrote, I imagine one of the reasons people cling to their hates so stubbornly is because they sense that once hate is gone, they will be forced to deal with pain. Viewed this way, we can see that seemingly self-punitive behavior may in fact constitute an attempt of self-protection, accepting a destructive yet familiar and manageable harm in order to avoid a much bigger threat. In my clinical work, I often find it useful to inspect this logic with my clients. For example... Consider a woman who sees herself as a writer, but somehow never finds the time to actually write. On its face, her avoidance of writing is self-punitive as it frustrates her and prevents her from manifesting her identity, getting paid, and advancing her chosen career. However, the avoidance may in fact protect her from an even greater threat that her writing, when completed, will be judged deficient and unworthy. Given this fear, her avoidance can be seen as a rational strategy masquerading as irrational. The actual damage of being exposed as a non-writer may very well exceed that of remaining a perpetual would-be writer. On the other hand, it may not, and herein lies the rub. Quite often, the underlying premise, accept this little pain to avoid a bigger pain, is ill-considered and warrants close scrutiny. After all, the things that scare us most are rarely those that pose the most danger, and the precision of our effective forecasting, the ability to forecast our future levels of hurt and joy, is notoriously low, meaning we cannot necessarily trust our own prediction. Thus, in those instances where futile persistence indeed is found to be a form of avoidance, we may be wise to reassess both the harm it would incur by keeping the ineffective habit and the danger posed by what we are avoiding. Often a close look will show that we have been undervaluing the former and overvaluing the latter. The writer in the above example may realize that, in fact, failing to write is more harmful than she acknowledged. Avoidance, after all, teaches us nothing but how to avoid more. It feeds on itself, metastasizing to induce existential paralysis. Writing and being judged deficient, on the other hand, may turn out to be much less devastating than she had feared. After all, most of us will at some point have our dreams derailed. When that happens, most of us are not destroyed. Rather, we find new and different dreams to aim for. Once the faulty premise upon which her behavior is based has been debunked, the client may find the courage and motivation to change her behavior and begin to write, sidestepping the avoidance trap and engaging in the earnest adventure of living. I think it's very common, at least for me, for something deep down, to accept a current pain and to avoid a bettering of the future, if with the bettering of the future comes unpredictability. We choose a predictable misery over an unpredictable joy. We overvalue how bad it will hurt to be seen as a fraud if we actually try, and we undervalue the suffering that we will experience if we do not try. When things are good, it feels like they get better and better. And when they're bad, it seems like they get worse and worse. Maybe you allow yourself to predict the worst because at least you can count on it. Then when you don't swing for the fence, things don't get better. And you prove to yourself that you were right all along. Another article I read talked about how people that are self-effacing, people that tear themselves down, are more liked but less respected. And for many of us, when we are not feeling very stable, being liked and the predictability of being liked and just the feeling of being liked by more people far outweighs the possibility of really having the thing that we deeply desire. Because if we swing for the fence, if we really go for the dream, there are so many things that could go wrong. But if we just tear ourselves down and act like we we don't have a dream because it threatens other people that we might, then at least they'll like us. At least we could be liked in the moment. I see it a lot in my life where I don't feel stable. I don't feel safe in my mind or in my life and so I don't plan for the future. If you feel like you wasted your life because you didn't plan for things to be better than they are and you feel shame because they aren't, remember that there is probably some logic to the decisions you made. You probably were working the best you could with the tools you had at that time and maybe you didn't feel safe. You know, when the ground might fall out from under you at any moment, you're not really going to plan where you're going to go. You will only plan where you're going if you can trust the ground. I don't know about you, but I have self-sabotaged dreams, plans, and I've avoided dreams and plans. Sometimes I think that worrying about the future is the same as planning for it. Or at the very least... It's mostly the same. Yeah, I didn't exactly make a plan of how I could get where I really would love to be, but I did worry about it a lot, and that's pretty close. If that's you, it's time to take a step of faith. Believe that things could be better, and that you might actually be able to have the things that you want. We need to say out loud to another person what the goal is. We need to do things that would allow ourselves to make it more and more real. Because we know the other road. The other road is we become heartbroken because a dream fell apart. Then we live in a daydream. I'll just live in the pain. I won't address it. And then in my reality, I'll resent. And then in my fantasy, I'm larger than life. And I'll live more and more... In the fantasy, I'll spend more and more of my time living in a daydream. Because deep down, I'm not sure I can trust that reality is something good. But there is good. And there are things worth having. And there is something that you're meant to do. So if there's a way that we can speak openly about the pain, if we can talk about the heartbreak that is keeping us stuck in a self sabotage cycle. Tell someone about the pain that you've experienced so that it can be categorized and understood so that we can put it in its place and leave it there. Because the future is something worth having. There's so much to experience. And the unpredictability is actually a source of joy. Once the ground under our feet is stable. When we can't trust the ground under our feet, when we can't trust our own mind, when we can't trust our instinct, then any unpredictability is hell. But when we sort out where we've been, the decisions we've made, good and bad, and we start to put faith back in the idea that good could exist, that better could exist, and that we just might be able to have it then the unpredictability is the journey and the beauty and the color of life. And that takes faith. Faith in God and faith in the idea of good. And that's where I want to live. Because I've been the other guy. I've thought the other way. I've lived on that road, and that's where my mind goes if I'm not careful, on its own. I've lived in a miserable comfort zone for years on end. I know that path, and I'm just getting sick of it. I don't want to stay there anymore. It gets tiring after a while. For a while, you can make your identity being the sad person, being the cynical person, being the dark person, but after a while, just get sick of it. I want better, and I want to be in a better place in my mind and in my heart. We're going to swing for it. I love you guys, let's go.